Today's episode of That Song from That Movie is coming up after these messages. Some of these aren't so crazy, but let's pause and talk about rule one again. Maintain humanity under 500 million. Wait, how did I miss that? 500 million? So how would that compare to today's population? Okay, so that means that about 85% of our population has to go. Y'all, 85%, that's terrifying. And this thing is supposed to withstand catastrophic events? Is it supposed to predict something's going to happen to the 85%? I know. I don't oh, know. Oh, my gosh. Hi, everyone. This is Brooke from Curly Conspiracies. I hope you like the clip from our Georgia Guidestones episode. If you want to find out more about this conspiracy, go to curlyconspiracies.com. Or you can find us on Spotify or Apple Podcast. Now, back to what you all came for. It's time for you to hear three British people decipher British comedy from the legendary British comedy troupe Monty Python. So pip pip tally ho and vaguely British things like that on today's episode of That Song From That Movie. Hey up, thank you for joining that song from that movie, the journey for the very best and worst of movie songs. I am your Not the Messiah host, Dietrich, and today we are joined by a very naughty boy in Alex. <laughs> very naughty indeed. I'm not the Messiah. I am a naughty boy. <laughs> I am also not the Messiah. <laughs> and you're also not the Messiah. That's the earliest we've had an impression. It had to be. It had to be done straight away. It's one of the very few times Alex has done an impression too. Yeah. I know, I wanted to get there before, Ben. Could sense it. I could sense it. He he wanted that line for him. So ben hasn't been introduced yet. Who's Ben? <laughs> I don't know. So he likes to get spat in the face. Ben. <laughs> now, now, hi, hi. Yes, I'm the guy. Oh, Ben, when did you get here? <laughs> the guy well, I was waiting at the door, and Alex just was interrupting. Yeah, classic. <laughs> Make room on the sofa, Alex. <laughs> Never. So, how are we all today? Yep, it's all right, day. Weather it's weather update. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's not too bad. Like, has anyone watched any films recently? Well, I, I have watched a film. It, I think it classes as a film, but it might just also <laughs> class as a steaming pile of shite. Atmos Fowl on Disney Plus. Yeah, it's not one for me. <laughs> yeah, so we w- watched it yesterday, and it's such a bad film. It's just awful. The plot is incoherent. Nothing happens that has any sort of logic or meaning. It's not even sort of like things happen because reasons it's sort of like nothing happens <laughs> it's, things it's happen for film. reasons <laughs> yeah i've uh i can't say it's been on the top of my list i completely forgot it was even coming out i remember seeing a trailer once and it just seemed like yeah i'll forget about this quickly and i did well if you've seen the first trailer that has all the content that's not in the actual released film in production they've basically redone it all and added colin farrell as his father did they rush it out then? It was originally like a cinema film, was it, that they then put on Disney Plus? Yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if it was rushed out or if whether or not they went, uh, this isn't going to yeah, work. I think they just banked on Call losses, but, stick yeah. it on streaming Yeah, service. just get on there, yeah. Have you guys watched any films? Do you see one somewhere good? <laughs> just old stuff, I think. Yeah. La La Land, Labyrinth, I watched Singing in the Rain again. It's funny you said La La Land, actually, because I watched Moonlight last night for oh, the yeah. first time. Yeah. It's a very... Uh, Tense, tense film. 
yeah. <laughs> it's just it's the atmosphere of uncom- being uncomfortable for like an yeah. hour and a half. <laughs> it's, it's really good, good though. It's a very good film, but I, it's one of those ones where you can't really say you enjoy it because it's just like yeah. you're on edge the entire time. Just, yeah. I've, yeah. I've never rushed to watch it again. Yeah, that's that exactly again. what I was saying. Yeah, uh, great film. Don't know if I'll ever watch it again. <laughs> Eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. <laughs> Andy Lau, to use the Andy <laughs> words of Andy Lau. <laughs> Probably gave Artemis Fowl eight out of ten. <laughs> Terrible film. Hate everything about it. Eight out of ten. So today's episode is always look on the bright side of life from Monty Python's Life of Brian. So to find out what was happening in the world when the film came out, go over to you, Ben. <laughs> Okay, yes, so we will take you back, gentlemen, to November 1979, all the way back. Big news at the time, in quite serious news, was the Iranian hostage crisis. Do people remember this? I think I I never heard of it before I saw the film Argo, really. Which I'm going to say that Argo. <laughs> yeah, it's basically Argo. For anyone that's seen the film, it's that sort of event that was kind of... It seemed like looking at the news from this month, all of it was just about this. So it was a group of Iranian students, loyal to the Ayatollah at the time, climbed over the gates into the US Embassy and held 52 hostages. I think they had more initially, but they held 52 for over 400 days. Part of the siege, or rather, kind of slightly made light of in the film Argo, which is a decent film. Again, I don't think I'll ever rush to watch it again. I think Argo's a good film. Do you? Yeah, I remember actually being in the cinema and holding my breath when they're trying to escape. Yeah, I thought it was decent. Again, just never been bothered to watch it again. In lighter news at the time, Pink Floyd's 11th studio album, The Wall, was released, topping the US charts for 15 weeks, despite only getting to number three in the UK. Bring on the wall. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that was a Bring song. On the wall. <laughs> yeah, apparently it, was, it had mixed reviews when it first came out, but a lot of people consider it now to be one of the greatest albums of all time. I think they were always bigger in America than they were here, actually. Yeah, they were. I think it has something to do with radio play and um, and things like that. In America, okay. like people going on long drives. And I, I remember watching a documentary about it with Pink Floyd albums. And people sort of listening to like the full albums or like radio stations playing like the full like, like eight minute songs and stuff. And because like in America, you can sort of, the, the commutes or the drives are longer. People yeah. enjoyed it more. It was something, something weird like that. Makes sense. In other news, the forgettable staple of British traffic, the Vauxhall Astra, was first launched to mild nods everywhere. (laughs) Pink Floyd listeners were very happy about this news. (laughs) Yeah, they can sit comfortably in their five-seater coupe. Um, Mid-range coupe. (laughs) And at the top of the charts for most of November in the UK was When You're In Love With A Beautiful Woman by Dr. Hook. (laughs) And I was trying to look at what other films were out at the time other than The Life of Brian, but there wasn't many. But so it seemed most cinema goers were wading through the picket lines and angry mobs to go and see the new Monty Python movie. So for the uninitiated, Life of Brian, released in the UK in 1979, is a biblical comedy of sorts following the life of a young man named Brian born just one stable down and on the same faithful night as Jesus Christ himself. (laughs) As an adult, Brian hasn't got much going for him until he joins a resistance movement against the Romans just to impress a girl. Unfortunately, he accidentally gets confused for the Messiah himself. (laughs) What was the Um, name of the group that he joins, Ben? um, I'm going to say it wrong. (laughs) (laughs) The People's Front of Judea. No, no, Judea! Judea's People's Front! (laughs) And you had to get it wrong. 
<laughs> and you would get it wrong. No, you got it right. You did, did I get it right? Yeah, it's people's. It's the people's front of Judea. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean that's a that's a good sort of just example of how quotable this film is. But yes, for you two gentlemen, have we both seen it? And if we have, what do we think? I have seen this film because I am British. <laughs> yep, great. <laughs> it's part of the school curriculum. For all the people that don't live in Britain, you have Monty Python lessons. Like mine was at ten o'clock every Friday, an hour of just Monty Python lessons, learning about British comedy. Yeah, <laughs> Ministry of Silly Walks. Oh, you, Alex. <laughs> Are you also British? Also, also British, and uh, so he also had these lessons. Now, my dad had um, he had a VHS collection. That's right, VHS. It's like that lie. It was one of those ones where it was like it was in a box, and it sort of had a sleeve over the top, and you removed the top, and there was like three VHS cassettes. He had two of them. He had a Monty F- Python trilogy, the film trilogy, and he also had one that had like Spartacus, the Vikings, and El Cid. <laughs> oh, gosh, those were his two video collections. He had nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> so I've seen it many times. And do we like it? We said we have to sort of know it because we're British. But do we like it? I do. I love it. I, I think I. I don't think it's my favourite one, but I think I do love it. Yeah, I think it's hilarious. I like the film, but I wouldn't even. I wouldn't say it's the funniest film of all time, and I wouldn't even say it's the funniest Monty Python film. Yeah, because to me, Holy Grail is better. Exactly. Yes. Yes. I would say. Yeah, hundred percent. A lot of lists, it usually falls into the category of the greatest comedy of all time. Either that, like Some Like It's Hot or Holy Grail. But usually Life of Brian seems to fall higher than Holy Grail, which I always found weird because, yeah, I think Holy Grail is better. Probably because of his controversy. I mean, that's all I can think. I mean, I I wonder as well, like, I think Holy Grail's humour is maybe more, um, is less adult. It's less accessible in comparison to Life of Brian. Yeah, I think Life of Brian's got a lot more jokes. Yeah. Yeah, everyone knows what Life of Brian's about. Like, everyone knows that story, in the Western world at least. Yeah, and there's a lot of obscure sections, isn't there? Especially, like, the ending and this sort of, like, the historian in the middle and stuff. Uh, So, yeah, I think it is a bit more unusual. Yeah, I think Eric Idle said, Eric Idle's daughter, rather, said that the ending of Holy Grail is the shittest ending of a film ever. (laughs) (laughs) I love the ending of that film. I know, yeah, it's great. It sort of uh, twists all expectations of how a film should end. It it does just fall absolutely flat on its face. (laughs) But yeah, do people have a general view of sort of the Pythons, Monty Python in general? I mean, they're all, I mean, a lot, I don't know if it's the same worldwide, but in this country, most of them still have like quite a lot of presence, like John Cleese, obviously. Well, John Cleese sort of became a bit of an international film star, I suppose, and he featured in a lot of films. And I think uh, Michael Palin as well is very still like prominent in this country, does the voice over on Clangers. The only one with a sir, I think. The only one with a knighthood. Yeah, I mean, they're still they're still obviously quite prevalent in this country. But I mean, in terms of comedy, I think like everyone would probably acknowledge it's it's always this and um, Morecambe and Wise, isn't it? That one always goes on about. Yes. Nothing really that's come since apparently has ever lived up to those two things. <laughs> but I mean, I watched. I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the uh, TV show. Yeah. The Flying yeah. Circus, and I don't think it's as good as films personally. I think it's it's a bit more like. No definitely feels like a tv show and it's kind of a bit all over the place which i suppose is kind of what they're going for i still think the films are basically sketches they just have a linear narrative to join them up don't they i mean the meaning of life obviously is just essentially a load of collection of sketches yeah, it's not as good that one though no the other two are miles better than the meaning of life i think so i mean they are like you said they do have sketch elements they're sort of like sections stitched together but they do have that cut through don't they yeah it's, it's hard to disagree with that to be honest i think because all the films well at least the Holy Grail and Life of Brian before I saw the TV show. When I watched the first episode of the TV show, I was like, ooh, I don't quite get what's going on here. It's not quite the same. It doesn't feel 
right almost. <laughs> as a six piece, I guess it's that thing that they're they're often com- quoted as being like you know inspirations for you know a lot of sort of surrealist or left field comedy and kind of that sort of going against the mainstream, which is quite unusual in that they were on the BBC. They weren't like some sort of like weird TV channel. I mean, to be fair, was there even weird TV channels back in sort of sixty nine? No, probably just two just channels. like two. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So there's not much choice. It's funny you mentioned like the two channels there, because like, do you think that that helps it? get to this sort of position where everybody knows what it is because now there's so much choice like back then everyone was watching it there was no option but to watch this or like what no. was on the other channel <laughs> the other i don't know what channels. time they were on they, i mean they're all highly educated are they all oxbridge i, I think that yeah they're all oxbridge yeah yeah i think so i think it was cleese and palin but they had they had basically a bit of renown already i think as like a two-piece and so that helped some sort of cement i think we might have even had a tv show before monty python they provided various sort of kooky names to the BBC and the BBC just picked Monty Python out of the list and they kind of went with that. Some of the other names are just as ridiculous. Do you have any of the other names to hand? I don't, actually. I could find them and then we could just fill it in with pauses if you really want me to. <laughs> Barry Cobra. Let's put it to the listeners. Do you want to hear these names? Say something now. No, they've not. No response. <laughs> Too late, they show me absolutely no sign. <laughs> I said at the start that there was picket lines and a lot of outcry around Life of Brian when it came out. People are aware of this? Yes. Yeah. So yeah, it was a huge... <laughs> I mean, even in this country, um, over in the States and in various places around Europe, it was banned. And there is one scene in particular in which often people considered it blasphemous and heresy was the final scene. I mean, can we spoil a film from 1979? I'm sure. Yes. Uh, Brian, the titular character, finds himself being crucified for his part in the kidnapping plot. And the song for which we are talking about today is famously heard and sung by Eric Idle. He's uh, up on the crucifix next to Brian and he looks very perky and he tries to cheer him up with a bit of singing. And the song (laughs) is always look on the bright side of life. What do people think of the song? You can't help but smile when you hear it. (laughs) Yeah, it's very cheery. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's such a classic song, isn't it? And it's just full of all that sort of like ironic humour and stuff. I think as well, like, do a lot of people probably use this as like their funeral song? Do you think? think it's the number oh, yeah. one. It's the number one most picked funeral song in this country. <laughs> and everybody knows all the words because we all get taught the words to it. Our Monty Python lessons on um, Fridays. Yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. except for the last uh, sort of uh, verse. I don't remember them. Life's a piece of shit. Life's <laughs> you a piece look of shit at it. when you look at it. Yeah. <laughs> don't imagine they allowed us to sing that in school. That I remember from the lessons. You got to sing in the Eric Idle way as well. The don't be silly twumps. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, and for the unaware, the song was made and released with the film for the film in November 1979. The track itself was released as a double A side with Brian's song. Do people remember Brian's song? I don't know. It's kind of the title song. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a, I, I forgot about it until I, I rewatched the film yesterday. It's sung by a 16-year-old called Sonia Jones, who I think did a, quite a few songs with the Pythons. It's a very tongue-in-cheek song as well. It sounds quite epic, almost like a James Bond theme, if you watch it back over the sort of Terry Gilliam you know, animation. But yeah. the lyrics are like, you know, he has a head and arms. And, also, <laughs> and you know, I think it's that sort of like, just... Remember. Yeah, you listen to it back, it is quite funny, but it's just nowhere near as memorable as the other side, which was always look on the bright side of life. Uh, every time he says it, I, I yeah. want to say, 
Yeah, it is, isn't it? It's just a really breezy, upbeat song. Yeah, I think it feels like really British as well, doesn't it? I, I, I mean, that goes without saying, but it it's is. sort of like just like the yeah. tongue-in-cheek nature of it. Yeah, I was going to ask that later, but yeah, it's that. It's like a the stoicism, the British stiff upper lip, isn't it? It's the we'll just get on, we'll, we'll be <laughs> fine, we'll be fine. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, as for the song and how it's used in the film, what do people think of this sort of? It is a famous scene, them all up on the cross. <laughs> I think it always made me sad when I watched it because that Brian was going to die. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I, I just didn't think it was going that way. And, you know, because there's all those moments just before, isn't there, where he almost gets released, like the Willis Wyan, you know, and all that. <laughs> Willis Waterwick. <laughs> but you not sad for too long because the song kicks in. Yeah, well, exactly, yeah, I suppose so, yeah. And isn't there, there was a moment just before, like where Jesus comes and like carries the cross for someone? Yeah, he, he he gives he someone's carrying it, and he says, "Let me help you out a second, And the other guy runs off, and yeah. Jesus has to take his place in the line. <laughs> Originally, the, the cast didn't like the song, and Eric Idle apparently said they never liked anything he wrote anyway. But <laughs> you can see that in fighting. I imagine there was a lot of that. But he said he wanted something to just give it a bit more of an upbeat because they knew it would be a very down note to end on. And they'd already ended with a bit of a slap in the face in Holy Grail. Yeah. So yeah, I, th- I find it quite as a, I don't know, it is tongue in cheek and it's very black humour. But it works for me. <laughs> I do enjoy it, really enjoy it. I think it is uplifting, like you said. I just think it's because Brian sort of just sort of ends up in this situation that just kind of is way beyond him. <laughs> but I guess that's kind of the the, the full joke, isn't it? That he's just like yes. swept along with this, this all this nonsense, <laughs> basically, and then just that you know ends up dying. But it's like, but you know what? You've just got to you just got to look past it, kind of situation. It's just an incon- It's just another inconvenience. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure he's not singing. No, he's not. He's not. <laughs> really, really upset. Just, I mean, it's all the way through, isn't he? He's just confused by the basically the sketch comedy that's going on around him. Yeah. The Latin lesson that he gets from John Cleese, you know, the Roman, <laughs> when he's trying to uh, say Romans go home on the wall. Yeah. Now, ra- now write it a hundred times. Yeah. <laughs> Never do um, it again. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I mean, I, I could quote, you could quote it and quote it, couldn't you? Are people aware of the sort of difficulties that were around the film before it was started? Do you mean like the making of the film? Yeah, well, before even before then, I guess. Well, the movie was supposed to be financed by EMI, who, like any sort of movie industry, just thought, oh yeah, Monty Python should call, this is going to make us some money. And then they finally looked at the script, I think like a week or something. It might have been, it might have been a week or a month before they were supposed to start shooting. And they were like, well, yeah, we can't make this. Too many people are going to hate this. So they just pulled out. And so I think it might have been Eric Idle again. I can't remember. Anyway, a good friend of the Pythons was George Harrison. And George Harrison refinanced his own house and set up a movie studio to finance the film. Good old so, uh, Yeah, so basically, yeah, because if you look, it's uh, when uh, the opening credits, the, one of the producers here yeah, is George Harrison. And the film did quite well. I think it made like four times its budget back. I think it was the fourth biggest film in the UK of the year. And I think it did quite well in the States as well. But it's just funny how EMI and people in general were scared that the film was going to upset the masses. I mean, it was banned and in. Did. I think it was. Yeah, well, you did, yeah. I mean, I think it was banned <laughs> yeah. in like 39 parishes in the, the UK, or at least given an X rating. So 18 plus. I think it was banned in Norway. It was banned in Ireland for, I think, decades. And at the time when it was first released, 
the song, Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. It didn't get anywhere close to the top of the charts in the UK. That seems so strange. It does, doesn't it? The song, at least. Because of how huge it is now. Yeah. Mm. 14 years later, in 1993, it got to number three in the charts. 1993? 1993, yes. And it got to number one in Ireland, which was quite funny, after the ban. (laughs) Yeah, in 1993, apparently it was, you know, Simon Mayo. So Simon Mayo, for people unaware, is the, he was a BBC Radio 1 DJ at the time. And apparently he had sort of a knack of taking gimmicky tunes and just giving them a lot of airtime and playtime. When the Pythons sort of realised they were getting a lot more uh, airtime, they re-released the single. I think it was like a few different versions. And they changed the line from life's a piece of shit to life's a piece of spit. Which is terrible. (laughs) But yeah, it got to number three in the charts. But I think by then it was becoming this sort of huge British representative song. It can be used in so many different scenarios and settings for different things. Yeah, like the Queen's Birthday, Queen's Jubilee, uh, Troop in the Colour. Basically everything royal related. (laughs) (laughs) London 2012 Olympics. Eric Idle closed the the ceremony. Um, At the closing ceremony he sang Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. He had different lyrics, didn't it? Yes. But like I say, he, yes. they re-released Memory it for uh, Eric Idle. I mean, Eric Idle, just, I don't know if he had the rights to this song, but he's done a lot of versions. He re-released it in 2014 for the World Cup um, <laughs> with lyrics about, you know, Optimistic. when they like disappoint you again sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> Which they did. Which they always do. But yeah, they, he has made the most of this song. Um, but yeah, I wonder at what point it, it just erupted or became part of the zeitgeist of just British culture. But even outside of the UK, it's it had a few sort of turns and there's quite a lot of cover versions that existed almost instantly and it's been used in a fair few films, I think, since. I know, I definitely know that it's in As Good As It Gets. Yeah, the Jack Nicholson. Yeah, film. Jack Nicholson sings it on the piano and Art Garfunkel recorded a version for the soundtrack for the movie. Again, changing the line from life's a piece of shit to life's a counterfeit, which I think is a bit more clever. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Nope. Yeah, there's versions. Harry Nilsson's done a version. Bruce Cockburn did a version. Green Day, I think, did a version. Clearly, it just has a a greater, even a greater representation outside of the UK as well. I know that Iron Maiden always play at the end of their shows. Really? Yeah. Well, yeah, I think the Green Day might not have been on an album, but they performed it a lot on the, is it Revolution Radio? There was a tour like recently, and they did it a lot, yeah. sort of with the mashups with other sort of British songs. I think Eric Idle's performed it at the proms. Eric Idle's clearly making his <laughs> Michael Palin's doing all these things like climbing Mount Everest, and Eric Idle's just singing "Always Look on the Bright Side of Life" <laughs> repeatedly to anyone who will let him. It's his retirement fund. I mean, probably he he looks like warmed up death. Bless him. <laughs> he looks like he's always wearing white makeup, like he's about to do a. Like a Mel Brooks ghost sort of portrayal. Um, <laughs> it's been that because actually it's, it's quite similar facially to Gene Wilder. Yeah, that's, maybe that's where I'm just getting it from. I think it's the long hair. Do you think the song would have done as well just sort of being on the title cards? Or is it the fact that it's coupled with that really dark and the, what's the way I'm trying to say? It? It's quite visually stunning scene of them on the crucifix. I think probably um, the power and the impact of it comes with the scene. But I don't think that that the reason why it's lasted isn't because of that reason but i think that that's probably why it was so prominent to begin with and well remembered 
I, th- I think it's just because of the way the song fits the scene. I don't think it would have really worked anywhere else. Yeah, and I feel like with this song, it's took on a life its own. Okay. And I think a lot of people today might be confused at the idea of it's even in a film, especially a film about what Life of Brian's about. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that's it. I think like now it has, like you said, taken on a life of its own. But when it came, the reason probably got to that position was probably because of its prevalence in this scene rather than just being in the film, I would say. Do you think it makes the last scene less blasphemous? Do you think if it was just sort of somber of them just stood on the, all up on the cross with Jesus because he is there apparently? Oh, is he? <laughs> well, I mean, he does, like you say, he takes the guy's takes cross, the doesn't he? Crosses. So he is there in the background. I think even the Pythons argue themselves about how sort of heretical and blasphemous the film is. I think John Cleese is very staunch in his view that it's not that that was never their intention whereas the others have been like mm, yes it kind of was <laughs> we didn't want to they, they'd never been a comedy about religion mocking the birth of christ yeah i suppose it's mocking the origin of the religion rather than anything else i think the argument was that brian is still jesus i guess they're making the point of even from the start the wise men go to the wrong manger yeah don't they <laughs> But then do they not go to the right one, though? They do, yeah, because they they come back and take all the frankincense, myrrh, and gold back. Like I was just thinking then, oh, well, yeah, because kind of like Brian is Jesus, isn't he? In a way, that's the joke. But then it's not because he is there as well. So it's kind of like, in a way, I don't really see it as blasphemous because it's kind of like Jesus isn't really part of the film, although he is in it a couple of times. But the joke's never on him, is it? It's more of the... No, never, that's the point. They made the guy who played Jesus play him straight, you know, play him like really sort of as you would, you know, any other sort of biblical epic would play him. And I think they're, they're quite kind to him. I think... It's just the use of the cross. I think that often it's that last scene of them all sort of up on the cross and making light of it. And yeah. I don't know if it's worse because they make they use the song and make it a bit of a joke, or it would have been worse if it was just them, if they ended sort of again with a bit of a slap in the face like they do Holy Grail and just sort of ended on a dark note. It would have been pretty funny if it ended with them all on the cross and then like the police turn up and say, oh, you can't do this, this is blasphemous. <laughs> this is blasphemous. <laughs> Okay. Blasphemous. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I think that'd have been a good way to end it. Yeah, would have <laughs> turning up in a desert, please, guys. <laughs> <laughs> is it a song that is, uh, you know, it's pro-British? It's kind of celebrating being British, like we talked about that sort of stiff upper lip, or is it kind of a mockery at ourselves? Yeah, I think it's that. Do you think it is just a mockery? <laughs> Yeah, because they're all just sort of like, you know, ah, well, you know, we're, we're being killed. <laughs> it's just, you know, typical, we've got to get through this and then on don't to the com- next Don't thing. complain, though. Yeah, yeah, don't, don't complain about getting, getting killed for, wrongfully killed for no apparent reason. <laughs> just to get up and bear it. I mean, isn't, isn't, that like a, isn't that a good feature of British people? I think it is, but obviously they're sort of taking it to that extra degree. I think Graham, Graham Chapman plays Brian perfectly at that point because he just looks so, like... Who the hell is this person next to me singing on on a on a cross? I think John Cleese wanted to play Brian initially, and I sometimes I just think that's because John Cleese has a bit of a uh, narcissistic personality about himself. Yeah. But I think Graham Chapman was quite the alcoholic by this point. Right. I know he died quite young. I think he died in like eighty nine. I think it might have been. But I think he's just great as it. I think the others do better by being the sort of comedy act around them and him. Yeah, yeah. Because he was never the one that I always consider first. It's always Palin, Idol, Cleese as the funny ones, I feel. Yeah, because he's sort of like the straight, not quite the straight man, but that kind of character. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's what I think I preferred him. Yeah, 100%. Because he doesn't <laughs> seem to play anyone else, does he? I think he just plays Brian. Uh, yes, I think so. Yeah, Terry Jones just plays the mum. 
and and directs it. Because I always thought Terry Gilliam directed it since Terry Gilliam has gone on to direct most films. I thought the same thing. He is yeah. in it, isn't he? And I think he does. He obviously does the cartoon bits. I think he said that most of the cast didn't like doing the heavy makeup scenes, so that Terry Gilliam often did those. Like, there's a guy. He always plays the ones with like the hunch or like the, you know, like the heavy makeup sort of look like a an ogre sort of a you know ego sort of character in the prison scene. You know, when Michael Palin's hung up and he's like, <laughs> "Ooh, spat on! I wish I could spat on!" You know, he's he's in there, but he's not really in it, Terry Gilliam, that much. Yeah, but, is uh, he in that bit where he goes, he's ma 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 he's the other guy and then they have that yes, conversation yes, afterwards. Yeah. yeah. When we talked about the start about this being one of the best comedies, what do you think is better then? Well for me I think the answer is airplane. Yeah, that's one of the jokes to me are more rapid fire and land more often. There's okay, a few yeah. Monty Python ones where I go, hmm yeah, instead the, of actually laughing. The, the sort of I mean airplane's just like a joke at every ten seconds, isn't it? And there's a lot of subtle jokes in the background, whereas Pythons are sort of set up sketches around one yeah. joke. Yeah, yeah, I think I'd have to agree with you on airplane. Maybe there, yeah, maybe they, every, every second of airplane is like a <laughs> is a laugh. Yeah, it? many different types of humor. Like a lot of Monty Pythons is surrealism, but in airplane, you've you've got visual gags, you've got punchlines, you've got you do still have surrealism, like with people getting like hung on the plane because oh, of the horse. Part of a story. <laughs> the horse in the oh, bed. The horse in the bed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as far as like the songs then of this Always Look on the Bright Side of Life, is this the best song that the Pythons have done since they've done a few? The one, the other one that springs to mind is the Every Sperm is Sacred one from yes, uh, yeah, The Meaning from... of Life. Yeah. Although I do feel that that is mocking Yorkshire people. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know whether we should be in support. But that's pretty good. But that's The, the Meaning of Life was the last film, wasn't it? Yeah. It felt like there was a lot of production behind that song. I mean, there's like a yeah. full on like dance number and everything. <laughs> yeah. Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. To do, to do is the one that um, <laughs> that stands but the rest for me, definitely, and I'm sure it would with everybody. I'm struggling to think of any of us that, that even come close. I do like the Knights of the Round Table song. <laughs> I guess just in the sort of weight it's had outside the films, because the films are h- held in high regard, but I still feel they're somewhat niche. Yeah. But it's hard to argue just the impact it's had, both song and film, moving on. That moves quite nicely onto you, Dee. It sh- sure does. So, to <laughs> ask this question... Just listen to what Ben just said and then go, does it still have cultural significance? <laughs> Which one, the film or song? Or both? <laughs> uh, both. Song definitely 100% does, I think. I think, as we discussed earlier, the song has kind of bred its own life after the film um, and become something other. So, yeah, I think definitely. And like I said, it's, it's, Ben said um, it's the most used funeral song. So I think for that reason alone, you're going to say it still has cultural significance. And I think the film does as well, because like when Ben said, can you think of any films comedies that are funnier than this i think like we probably could but at the same time it would be quite difficult and to say that about a film from 1979 was it yes it's quite remarkable really that it stood the test of time it's still really funny when you watch it now so i'd say both do and and i think as well it's probably maybe it's lost something in the fact that i don't think it would be if you watched it now fresh you wouldn't be that shocked by it i don't think you'd see it as that controversial no, definitely so I think not. maybe that's something yeah. that's been taken away from it, and maybe that's why we prefer Holy Grail in some ways as well. What about you, Ben? But you kind of just answered it. <laughs> yeah, said. I'm just trying to think of something. I mean, on top of everything Alex has said and what I've said before, films that have or were, when they were released or when you look back now in hindsight, if they've either an outcry at the time or an outcry of more recent because that's quite relevant with things that are going on i think it's always interesting to look at films in that historical context of how they were accepted or the impact they had at the time it's difficult to think of like a subject matter 
where you yeah. could where it would be parallel now you know like something that where where it would be controversial but other people accept it i can't really think what that would be yeah and i think maybe that's the difficulty with shock there's nothing to shock that much anymore because if something yes, is shocking definitely. Generally yeah. there's something not right with it now <laughs> so i don't i don't really know what they could what anyone could do to mirror what life of branded i think because it was the first as well like they said you know there's not many sort of it's the mocking of religion which is why I mean, I know they can argue that it wasn't some of them, but yeah, it is. And it was not really done before. And I think that's because the climate has changed, I guess, more so over time. And that the sort of foothold of religion in most sort of communities doesn't exist as much anymore. I guess there's a lot of cultures nowadays that are sort of as widely accepting. I don't know what you could make fun of that isn't just downright offensive. Do you, do you look at Life of Brian and consider it offensive? No, I mean, personally, I don't. I think that's why I was saying... It's maybe lost yeah. some of its importance now, but that's probably because of the the path yeah. that it blazed, I suppose. <laughs> but, but yeah, I agree. Life of Brian doesn't feel like it's punching down on religion. Mm. It feels like it's holding up a mirror to religion. Whereas I feel like if you want to be offensive today, you'd, you would probably have to punch down on a group or an opinion or an event sort of thing. Yeah, it'd feel feel more aggressive. It'd feel like yeah. like harsh. Yeah, like by you know by today's standards, yeah, Monty Python's it's quite soft. There's nothing that even like makes you twinge. Whereas nowadays, I think people are so much so used to think being able to see things online, you know, violence, sex, gore, things like this. There's, it's out there that it's really hard to accept that in a mainstream form while still shocking people. Just I think that, but that's why I think just in a historical context, those films to look back on, they will always have a place to look at and study film because it means more than just it's a good film. And I think that's a, a nice segue into the ultimate question. Oh, this is a hard one. Which is movie or song. This is a tough one, I think, as well. Yeah. I've been going back and forth whilst we've been recording, so I will go last. So, Alex, you can go first. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that. I don't... Yeah, I mean, I think, actually... I may have said this before, but I feel this is the hardest one so far. Because <laughs> I don't really know what to choose. But I think, because I can't allow all those people that have had it as their funeral song... <laughs> to uh, have it removed and uh, stricken from the record. So I think I'm going to actually have to choose song. The Pythons, I just feel their comedy should stand up because of the influence it's had. And the song is good. And yeah, it's had such an impact. But I just think the films need to be there. It just shows that older films can still be funny. Cause I've, and and so people should access this sort of backlog of like older films. I think it's good to have these evidence of these films from like the 60s and 70s that still hold up. And that's rare, and we shouldn't get rid of them. Just think of all these silent funerals now, Ben. <laughs> right. This came up last week as well. When did movie or song become? You get rid of the other one? No, that's, that's how I have to think about <laughs> Which it. one is that's better? How I have to think about it. A world without Eric Idols. <laughs> yeah, I thought that's what I was doing. <laughs> it's like Room 101. Well, I'm um, going song. Yeah. Yeah, up the stakes. Yeah, we have to up the stakes. It's get rid of one. <laughs> okay, so the ultimate question now on is which will survive, the movie or the song? Yeah, and we we have to write a stern letter to whoever it is, so either <laughs> Terry Jones or Eric Idle, as the director and the writer, you know, equally of the film and song, who we have to get rid of it. Oh crap, Terry Jones is dead. Please delete that. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, do you know what was this <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I think he died of Alzheimer's recently. I think we probably should go to the outro now. <laughs> Yeah, please get rid of that last minute. So thank you for joining us today. Let us know what you think about the movie or the song. Which one do you prefer? You can follow us on Twitter, TSFTMPod, and you can uh, 
cast your vote for which is better as well. Tell us why, though. A lot of people don't tell us why, and it makes me sad. Don't make Dietrich sad. <laughs> so, it's goodbye from me. Goodbye. And goodbye from Alex. <laughs> Where is he? <laughs> Sorry. I was looking at the time. I was looking at the time. <laughs> on the Go on then. I am the Messiah now. Fuck off. <laughs> oh. And goodbye from Ben. So funny. I'm banned in Norway. <laughs> goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Dating people's friend wankers. <laughs>